Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. Hallelujah. Beloved saints, I want you to open your Bibles tonight to the book. We are going to open our Bibles tonight to the book of Hebrews. And I would like you to please look at the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Tonight, I'm going to be speaking to you as we have been all this entire weekend receiving the miraculous move of the Spirit by faith. We're going to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And tonight we're giving God the glory because he is the God of the impossible. Amen. Hallelujah. As we draw close to the coming of the Lord, and we are so near the coming of the Lord, and I'm waiting for God to give me the go ahead to bring part two of seven signs for seven years, because I believe that the signs are escalating to such an astronomical proportion now for end times. Uh, those of you that were with us um, for the past few years, especially in the years of 2014 to the year 2020, but we began this series, we didn't know it was going to turn into seven signs. Nobody has any clue that when one sign begins in the heavens, that there's actually going to be seven signs. We had no idea. But we just began the series in 2013 when uh, the, the tremendous sign came on Hanukkah. Now, the reason we're looking at signs in the heavens is when signs in the heavens that are biblical signs... We're not just looking for some sign. We're looking for biblical signs because everything that we see that's supernatural must be confirmed in the word of God. If you're with me, say amen. amen. And so we have to be very careful that when you're approaching a pro provocative subject that, that what we are studying is completely scriptural. And so we began this series in 2013 because it was Hanukkah and because we did not consider it a coincidence that the comet Ison did not, did not explode in the area close to the sun that it should have. And, and it was miraculous. And the day that, that the greatest uh, manifestation in the heavens took place with the light and Hanukkah is the festival of lights. The very same day, um, the greatest natural disaster, the most devastating natural disaster in human history took place in the Philippines. And that was Hurricane or Typhoon Hayum, also known as Yolanda. And then that began a series that we began to start tracking. We tracked it with, I know everyone is all <laughs> amazed at a blood moon, but to be truthful, let us not cheapen the blood moons. Let us not cheapen it by getting so excited over every blood moon because it's the blood moons that appear on biblical feasts that we need to look at. All right. So it doesn't mean that there's no spiritual significance to a blood moon. But what I'm saying is, let us not cheapen the ones God already gave us. And let us, not, let us not cheapen the fact 
that it's not a coincidence that those blood moons came in the Tetrad series, and it's a series of seven years. God doesn't do everything all at once. And it's a series of seven years that began in 2013 and ended in 2020. And right after the series of signs ended came coronavirus. And since coronavirus, there has been a series of, uh, it, of things that have been happening in the earth that are astronomical and of astronomical background. And so very soon, we will be bringing you the updated version of seven signs for seven years because things have escalated so quickly. And you will see how every one of those signs that God has given in the heavens, beginning in Passover of 2014 with the first blood moon and, and uh, the blood moon of uh, 2014 on Sukkot and the, the darkened sun, which is the solar eclipse, on 2015 of Rosh Kodesh Nisan, and then again, 2015 blood moon on Passover, 2015 blood moon on Sukkot, and in 2017, uh, 2017, the solar eclipse on Rosh Kodesh Elul. And to those who don't know biblical feasts, that doesn't seem like anything. But to those who do know the biblical feasts, it's not a coincidence. And these are a series of events that appeared in the skies as warnings. Because when those signs come in the heavens, they are warnings. They are for signs. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. So we will be bringing the updated version with the current event statistics so that we can actually be able to see what is really happening and assess the fact that we're not going to get conditioned to calamity to the point that we don't even get moved when we see signs that we're going to know that God is getting ready to do something in the earth. Are you with me, saints? All right. We don't want to become conditioned to calamity. All right. So we're opening tonight. Hallelujah. To Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. And we tonight are going to be speaking to you about your anointing going into the impossible. If you are here tonight, God is going to mantle you tonight with the anointing to move into the miraculous and to move your mountain. Every person that is here tonight is being called to mountain moving faith and somebody ought to give God the praise. Now I want you to see faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Can you turn to your neighbor and say not seen? Hallelujah. Say evidence of things not seen. Hallelujah. So this means this word evidence in the Greek language means that there is proof that there is produced proof. Hallelujah. All right, looking at verse 3, I want you to see it. Verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen, again, we are speaking about that which is seen and that which is not seen, so that the things that are seen, look at the scripture, were not made of the things that do appear. Now we're going to verse 7, and verse 7 is our key tonight, because tonight we're going to be talking about moving our 
belief into faith. Belief and faith are not the same thing. And we're going to show you tonight that if Noah did not exercise action, Noah's house would have never been saved. The ark would have never been built. Noah's family would have never escaped the flood had he just believed and not taken action. I hope somebody's hearing me today. All right, so I want you to see the Bible says, by faith, Noah being warned of God, of the things not seen as yet. There are many things that God has promised you that you haven't seen as yet. But you have to understand that the things that you haven't seen as yet really are. And you have to come into the realm of the already. Turn to your neighbor and say, tonight I'm going to be anointed to walk in the already. Say this with me. I'm getting ready to come into the already. Because the God that I serve is a God of the already. Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So we see here, beloved saints, by faith, Noah being warned of God of the things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness, which is of faith. Now, first of all, beloved saints, I want you to know that it is God's will that you possess the impossible. Say this with me. It is God's will that I possess the impossible. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, nothing is impossible with God. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus said, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. In Luke chapter 18, verse 27, again, Jesus repeats, with men, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23, the Bible says, all things are possible to him that believeth. Are you with me? I want you to understand that Jesus was a teacher of great faith. And I want you to understand that one of the most powerful methods for the miraculous that Jesus used was to stir up the faith of the people and to bring the people of God into faith. This is why wherever he went, he preached the word first and healed second, because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more of God's word you have in you, I want you to understand understand the more possibility for faith for the impossible uh, resides in you if you put that faith to, to work for you. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. amen. I, I want to take a sidebar here because God's telling me to do it. So I'm going to do it. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 6 for a moment. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 6, verse 5, and Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And I want you to see that Stephen, one of the greatest men of God in the New Testament, was a worker of great miracles. Hallelujah. He did great signs among the people. That's what the Bible tells us in the book of Acts. And the Bible tells us, hallelujah, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, can we just worship the Lord? Looking, excuse me, Acts chapter 6. We're looking at the word of God. Acts chapter 6, going to verse 
Thank you, sweetie. Going to verse 5, let's read it right now. The Bible says, um, the Bible says in Acts chapter 6, looking at verse 5, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now go to verse 8. And verse 8 says, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Notice that Stephen worked and operated in wonder-working faith. Say this with me, wonder-working faith. This, the Bible says he did great wonders among the people. So the question arises, where did Stephen get his faith? And the answer to that is the way Stephen got his faith is the same way that you and I get our faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Say it with me. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Say this with me. I want my faith built up. How do we know Stephen was a word man? How do we know? What evidence do we have that his faith came by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Is it only the text in Romans or is there more evidence that shows us why? Because it was through faith that he was able to work the wonders and miracles among the people. Today, God wants to release to you a measure of faith for you to see wonders and your family, wonders with your children, wonders for the impossible. Tonight, we're going to break you out of your apathy. Tonight, we're going to get you excited about the things of God. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. So the Bible says, Stephen, full of faith and power. So how do we know he was, how do we know how those wonders and miracles were worked? Well, you, all you have to do is go to Acts chapter 7 and look at the statements of faith that Stephen said before the council. If you look at Acts chapter 7, you will see Stephen apprehended by the council and brought before the council before his stoning. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. And if you notice, his defense is a complete dissertation on the Torah. That for hours he stands before the Sanhedrin and quotes the word. And the Bible considers it to be so significant that the scripture records in Acts chapter 7 every word that Stephen preached before the council. Because every word that Stephen preached was the word of God and he did this by memory. I want you to know he wasn't quoting a Bible. Hello, somebody. He did it by memory. So this means that the actions of faith that were operative in the life of Stephen came as a result of the word that he heard. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. I do not believe there is one person in this place that is not called to walk in the impossible. I do not believe that there is one person in this place that is not called to possess the things of the spirit.
And so therefore, I want you to see, going back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, and we're looking at Noah, and we're going back to the faith of Noah, and we are seeing by faith Noah was warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. The things not seen as yet belong to the world of the promises of God. The promises of God are not just what you see. The promises of God belong to what God said to you. So if you have a word, hallelujah, a promise, that means that you are beginning to move into faith. So we see that faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. Notice he was told of God promises. But if he was told of God promises and did not act on those promises, he would not have been delivered. But you see, what Noah did was Noah moved belief into the realm of wonder-working faith because belief cannot save you. And I want you to know that belief doesn't have power in itself alone. Belief is not the full composite of faith. Say this with me. Belief alone is not the full composite of faith. Let's go to James chapter 2 so you can understand this. Because most of us think, well, I believe God, I believe God, I believe what God's word says, but there's no action involved. You see, faith, faith becomes wonder-working faith when you take it out of the realm of what you believe and put it into action. You see, by faith, Noah began to build an ark when God told him what was going to happen. But had he not begun to build the ark, it would not have become faith. It would have still stayed in the state of belief only. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. <laughs> say this with me. Tonight, my faith is going to take on activation. Because I am going to receive a miraculous manifestation for the impossible. Can I get a witness somewhere? Saints of God, <laughs> we've just drawn a line. Do you know that? We've just drawn a line. You say, Dr. Crowell, what are you talking about? I said, we've just drawn a line with this generation. We are going to start seeing miracles in this generation. This generation is going to get with it. This generation is going to see the miracles that we saw in the last generation. We've drawn the line and said enough is enough. It's time now for this generation to raise up and to be seeing the things of God that belong to you. I hope somebody is understanding what I'm talking about. And so we see, beloved saints, uh, uh, we see as we look at the scripture and as we saw in Hebrews chapter 11 that the Bible says, Things that are not seen, hallelujah. So the things that are not seen, and we're going to look at James in a moment, belong to the realm of the supernatural. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So the things you cannot see belong to the realm of the supernatural. Say this with me. The things you cannot see belong to the realm of the supernatural. And say this with me. The things that you do not have yet belong to the realm of the promises of God. Hello, somebody. I'm talking to you tonight. All right, so we're looking at James, and let's go to James, beloved saints. We're going to James, and I want you to see in the book of James what, what, how faith actually becomes complete. And we need to see this in James chapter 2. Hallelujah. James chapter 2, and we're going to begin, beloved saints, with verse 7. And I, I did not plan on going into the James version, but God wants us to look at James because we need to build faith in here. Hallelujah. Are you with me, saints? If you are, say amen. All right, looking at, James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren? Though a man says he has faith and has not works, can his faith save him? What does he mean when the Bible says, how can it be, brethren? Though a man say he have faith and does not have works, can his faith save him? He is saying belief cannot save you. Belief alone cannot save you. But he is saying works. He's not just talking about works in the sense of the works of righteousness. He's talking about works that you are operating in as a result of what God told you. Just like Noah, God told Noah that it was going to flood. He warned Noah of what was going to happen. But if Noah would have held what God gave him to himself, and not told anybody, and not even taken one piece of wood in his hand to start building an ark, though he saw no signs around him. You see, the kind of faith God wants to give you is that you are not looking at the signs around you to make you move yourself into action. Most of the reason why we do not move out in faith is we're waiting to see something that is going to stimulate our faith to move forward. But God wants you to know tonight that you do not need signs to move into faith, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So you can cannot stand on what you see. You've got to stand on what God says. Are you with me? So Noah becomes a model for the miraculous. Noah becomes the sign that if we act on our faith, then God will move and do something mighty on our faith. Can you imagine that God told Noah it was going to rain, and God told Noah all the things that he told him, and he didn't make any action toward building an ark. Can you imagine if he held his faith to himself, and it was only belief? He believed, oh, yes, it's going to rain. God told me it's going to rain. I believe God, and I don't believe God's a liar. I believe everything that God says is true, but took no action to build an ark. What would have happened to Noah? He had to, by faith, though he didn't see it rain, though God didn't show him any sign that it was going to rain, he took the wood in his hand, and he began to build an ark without any sign 
signs or anything that he was seeing in the natural. Are you with me? Hallelujah. The Bible says, as we look at the word of God, so the Bible says, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say that he has faith and has not works? In other words, there's no action to your faith. And he says, can faith save him? In other words, can belief save you? Notice what the scripture is telling us. Continue on in the context and see what the Bible says. Verse 17, even so, Faith, if it has not works, say this with me, if it has not action, say if you do not take a hold of what you know and put it into action, your faith without works is dead. That means it's just something you're thinking about. That means it's not going to profit you anything. But I don't know about you, but I want my faith to profit me something. Because faith has the power to move a mountain. Faith has the power to, to move the impossible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look and continue in the context and see what the word of God is saying. The Bible says, if a man says that he has faith, verse 18, I have works, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Look at verse 19. You believe that there is one God and you do well, but the devils also believe and tremble. So I want you to understand just because you believe does not mean you have faith. The Bible says the devils also believe and tremble. I don't know about you, but I want to move into the miraculous. How many of you here need a miracle tonight? It's great that you come up and say, Dr. Corral, would you please pray for me? It's great that you come up and say, I'm putting my prayer request in. But what's even better is when you turn your own faith loose. What's even better is when you speak to your mountain. What's even better is when you command that sickness to leave your body. What is even better is when you say, I'm not receiving this in the name of Jesus. The devil is a liar and I'm going forward in faith. Hallelujah. So the Bible is telling us the devils believe. The Bible says you believe and that there is one God and you do well. But the devils also believe and tremble. Notice, was not fa our father Abraham justified by works or by action? When he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar. Now watch verse 22. See how faith wrought with works and his works made faith perfect. In other words, it made faith complete. It brought faith to the full measure. It brought faith to the purpose that God ordained it to be. So that means God wants you to participate in the action of faith. God calls us and invites us to enter in to his miraculous power by doing something that's going to activate our faith. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. 
All right, saints. So we are understanding that number one, faith is not is not in the realm of things that you see. Say this with me, but we walk by faith and not by sight. And say this with me, I believe in God. For things not seen as yet. Because I'm walking in the already. Okay. Those of you that, and we're just now just kind of cracked the surface. We're getting you a little bit out of the sleepy spirit or whatever it is. That's all right. That's all right, because tonight you're going to possess your mountain. That's what I'm believing God for. I believe in God that every person in this room is going to come up to me within the next six months and say, Dr. Corral, a mountain moved. I believe in it. I believe in it. That's my faith for you tonight. My faith for you tonight is that whatever situation you're in, it's going to move on your behalf. That's my faith tonight for you. And that's what I'm asking God for, for your mountain to move tonight, because God gave me a word that your mountain is going to move. Hallelujah. All right, go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 9. Now that we got the basic elementary items out of the way, let's go into the realm of the spirit. Are you ready? All right, Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1. In the year of about 2012, I can't remember exactly what year it was, I read this verse and I got perplexed. Have you ever read something you didn't understand and it just bothered you tremendously? And that's good because Jesus never fails. When there's a verse or a scripture or something you don't understand and you ask God, show me, he always will. He loves to reveal the truth to you. Something just, just, it makes the Lord so happy. When you read a scripture and you don't understand it and you ask him, Lord, just tell me what it means. You know, Daniel did that. The Bible says that Daniel saw visions and dreams. And the Bible said, then Daniel would know the truth of the matter. He sought God to know the inner meaning. I read this. Let's look at it. Here, O Israel, you are to pass this day. To go in, you are to pass this day over the Jordan this day to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fenced up to heaven. Now, I want you to look at this. Here, O Israel, you are to pass over Jordan this day to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than yourself with cities fenced up to heaven. Hallelujah. And then there's all the actions of faith involved. When I read this, I was very perplexed. Do you know why? Because Moses said this in the 11th month of the 40th year when he's still alive. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter, uh, chapter 1, the Bible says in the 11th year, or in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, is when Deuteronomy was going to be pronounced to the children of Israel before they crossed over. The hearers of the book of Deuteronomy 
was not the generation that left Egypt. The generation that left Egypt was already gone. They started to die off in the 38th year. How do you know that, Dr. Corral? We'll just read Deuteronomy 2.14. Deuteronomy 2.14 tells us the men of war that left Egypt circled the same mountain for 38 years until they were all wasted away and God consumed them. So this was the generation that refused to believe God and refused to put action to their faith. This was the generation that went up into the promised land and allowed intimidation instead of divine determination to control their faith, and they lost their faith. They did not believe. They did not want to go up and possess the land. So the whole generation is gone, and this is a whole new generation that's going up to possess the land of promise. And that new generation Moses is speaking to before he goes to heaven. Moses is going to go to heaven in 30 days. Moses actually departs from the earth in the 12th month, in the seventh day of the month. And this is taking place in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Chapter 1 is taking place in the 11th month in the 40th year on the first day of the month. So when you read Deuteronomy 9, and we want to see if we can get that back up on the screen. Deuteronomy 9, verse 1. When we read it, it's perplexing. Do you know why? Because they didn't cross over in the 11th month in the 40th year at all. They didn't cross over until the first month and the 10th day of the first month, 70 days later. 70 days later, you can figure it out with the mathematics, and you can also see it in the scripture. In Joshua chapter 4, verse 19, the Bible says, And the children of Israel came up out of the Jordan in the 10th day of the first month. So how can it be that Moses is saying, You will pass over Jordan this day and go in and possess nations greater than you? This, this is perplexing. It was confusing. And I knew God wanted me to search it out. Because God's not a man that he can lie, and the Bible doesn't bring confusion, and there's nothing, there's nothing that is inconsistent in the Bible. So it's up to us to solve the problem by the Holy Ghost. And I prayed about it, and I sought God on it, and I couldn't understand it until... The Lord said, when you are walking by faith, you're walking in the already. And when I speak to my people about the promises, it's already done. So I spoke to Israel in the already. You are to pass over this day, though it didn't take place, till 70 days later. You see, when God speaks to you, he speaks in the already tense. It's already done. Are you with me? Say this with me. Living in the supernatural is living in the already. 
If you look at Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, what I do not want you to look at, but you can just write it down. When God spoke to Abraham, he said, your name shall no longer be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made you. He had not one descendant, but God said, I've already made you a father of many nations. You already have descendants, though you cannot see them. I have already ordained those descendants because you see God speaks to us in the already tense and God wants you to know that tonight you need to take possession of the already and start walking in the already believe in God for the impossible say this with me I'm walking in already notice in Judges chapter 1 verse 2 when they said Lord who's going to go up first shall Shall, um, shall who, who have you ordained to go up first? And the Lord said, Judah will go up first. And the Bible says in Judges chapter 1, verse 2, I have delivered the Canaanites into his hand. Not I will deliver the Canaanites into his hand, but I have already tense. Say it with me. It's in the already tense. Just as God spoke to Abraham and said, a father of many nations, have I made you past tense? Hallelujah. Somebody ought to give God the glory. Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. I want you all to see it. Joshua chapter 6, verse 2 says, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. He didn't say, I will give Jericho. He didn't say, I hope to give Jericho. Say this with me. Every promise that I read in the word that has my name on it, it's already been given to me. And so all I need to do is begin to not see in what I see on the outward, but start acting forward, going forward, and beginning to believe God by taking action. All right, all right. I know you're still stuck. I know you're not there yet, but the word's going to anoint you because you know why? The Bible says that the manna had the taste of oil. And the Lord says in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 15, it says he made them suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. So the rock is God's word. So tonight, you're drinking oil out of the rock. You're getting anointed by the word. It has the taste of oil. Say it to your neighbor. The, the manna has the taste of oil. And I'm getting anointed tonight by hearing the word of God. Hallelujah. Now, beloved saints, go with me to Exodus chapter 14. Just in case you didn't understand. You see, sometimes God allows obstacles. Obstacles are not something you should fear. Because obstacles are faith builders. Hello, somebody. Say, turn, it, turn an obstacle into an opportunity. Come on. Turn an obstacle into an opportunity to believe God. 
Now, I want you to understand, there's two ways you can respond to an obstacle. You can respond to an obstacle with hesitation. You can respond to an obstacle with intimidation. You can allow that obstacle to rob you of the impossible. Depends on how you see it. The children of Israel that went up into the land allowed obstacles to rob them. At, in God's time, they were supposed to go into and possess houses they didn't build and vineyards they didn't plant. And they were supposed to tear down nations and possess the land of nations that were greater and mightier than they were. But they allowed what they saw to intimidate them. Quite different from Noah. Noah did not act on what he saw. The Bible says, as not seen yet. He didn't see anything. Because faith, when it's power, you can't see anything, but you move on what God says it produces action. And you will still keep your faith in the belief state only and not move it into the power-producing faith stage if you do not have action behind your faith. Exodus. Chapter 14. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you something that God did in the book of Exodus that teaches us two ways you can respond to your faith. You can respond to obstacles. You can either respond with hesitation or you can respond with greater determination. Looking at verse 11. The children of Israel are terrified. How often do we fall out of faith because of what we see? How often do we fall out of faith because of what we hear? The Bible tells us when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water along with all the other disciples, they said, Lord, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you. Bid me to walk on the water with you. And Jesus said, come. And the Bible says Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he began to sink. How often do we allow what the doctor says? How often do we allow what our finances, the bank report says? Hello? How often do we allow what maybe the past was in our life? Familiar fears that try to come back and rob us. Hello, are you with me? You have to speak to your mountain. You have to speak to the impossible. You have to speak to it and declare it. Hallelujah. And so here we see, beloved saints, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 11, the children of Israel are, are they're taken out of faith their faith is conquered by fear because of what they see. 
The Bible says they said to Moses, because there were no graves, have you taken us out to die in this wilderness? Wherefore have you dealt with us to carry us out of Egypt? Continuing, and the Bible says, is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt? Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this wilderness. Verse 13. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand still, and you shall see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall do for you this day. And the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall not see any more again, even forever. Now watch this. For the Lord will fight for you. Now I want you to see something. Moses is going to start praying for the children of Israel. But God is going to rebuke Moses. Do you know why? Because it was not a time for supplication. It was a time for activation. Hello, somebody. There are some of us that are still praying and praying and praying over the same thing. You're in and you're out, but we're not taking any action. I want you to know that God wants us to start taking action and believe God for the impossible. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. And so we see at the Red Sea, we see at the Red Sea, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying unto me? Notice the word. Why do you cry unto me? In other words, why are you praying right now? This is not the time to pray. This is the time to move forward. Look what he says. Command the children of Israel that they go forward. Now, wait a minute. I don't think you're going to get this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Before the Red Sea parted, they had to move forward. Maybe you didn't get it. Their action is what caused the Red Sea to part. You see, the moment they started walking toward the Red Sea is when they positioned themselves for the impossible. They had to take action. Are you with me, saints? Somebody ought to shout the victory and say hallelujah. So here you see, the Lord is saying, why are you crying unto me? You know, I've seen people do that. I've seen people just saying, well, we prayed. And I don't say anything to them. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and God didn't do anything. Well, child, God was waiting for you to do something. God wanted you to step out in faith and do something. Hello, somebody, are you with me? Just a little something to give to God in his hand so he could move on your behalf and move a miracle. I gave up on those folk that say, I've just been praying and God didn't do anything, so I guess I don't know what's going on. I'm going to tell you something. If you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and God didn't do anything, he's waiting for you to take an action of faith. Because that's how the power of God's released. Are you with me? Just do a little something. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Just do a little something. Just go out of your way just a little bit to make it happen. Are you with me? Touch your neighbor and say, break out of the box. Are you with me, saints? 
Notice, Lord said to Moses, why are you crying to me? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. Notice this is before God said to Moses, stretch your hand over the sea. God could not tell Moses to stretch his hand over the sea till the children of Israel began to walk toward the Red Sea. They already began to walk toward the impossible. You see, when you turn your direction to walk in faith, God is going to release everything that you need. Say this with me, faith without works is dead. Okay. Then we're going to close it with this. All right. You can respond with hesitation or you can respond with more determination. Now, let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you. The book of Joshua and the book of Judges started a new era in the lives of the children of Israel. In the book of Joshua, we have 100% victory in seven years. 100% victory with no casualties. We only have one mistake, and that was AI, and they corrected it. But we have at the end of Joshua's life, God's people writing a new narrative. I'm prophesying now. I want you to understand. Times do not change the narrative of the way God constructed his church. Because we go through things in our culture like a pandemic does not change the narrative of the way we serve God. I'm going to prove it to you because some of us have allowed a new narrative and we think that's normal now. And do you know how dangerous it is? It's so dangerous that the Bible records it in Joshua and the Bible records it in Judges so that we will not repeat what they did. Go with me to Joshua chapter 17, and I want you to look at verses 13 through 18. I'm going to show you something. And I believe tonight every person's going to possess their mountain. Joshua chapter 17, verse 13 says, It came to pass when the children of Israel were waxen strong that they put the Canaanites to the tribute and did not utterly drive them out. This was when Joshua was older. The next, you will see later in the, in the next chapter, Joshua was well stricken with years. He's already done. He's ready to go home to be with the Lord. This is the end of Joshua's career before he just blesses Israel. Joshua was the man of faith. You want to know why he's such a man of faith and why he was chosen by God to take the children of Israel in? Because he was such a man of faith, because he was such a man of the word. Do you know why? He was Moses' assistant. He was Moses' assistant. 
Do you wonder why the Bible says Moses' natural force was not abated? It means till the day he died, he was just as young as he was when he was younger. It's unbelievable. He might have had white hair. We don't know. But he was as young and as strong as he was when he was a youth. His natural force was not abated. You wonder why? Because so much word was in him. The revelation of God's word was in him. Because the word has creative power. Hello, somebody. I'm speaking to you. The word of God is life. And so you see, you see Moses and you see Joshua. Now Joshua is his time is, is over now. He's going home. And look what the Bible says. It came to pass when the children of Israel were waxen strong that they put the Canaanites to the tribute and did not utterly drive them out. Now watch this. And the children of Joseph, those are the relatives of Joshua. The children of Joseph came and spoke to Joshua saying, why have you given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people for as much as the Lord has blessed me hitherto? All right. The largest tribes in Israel were Manasseh and Ephraim. Ephraim was the largest tribe as far as numbers go, and the second one was Manasseh. So they're coming to Joshua because Joshua, they think Joshua is going to give them some kind of a favor because Joshua is from the tribe of Ephraim. And they're saying, why have you only given us one lot? Notice what Joshua says. Notice his response. The Bible says, the next verse, and Joshua, Joshua answered them and said, if you be a great people, then get you up to the wood country and cut down for yourself in the land of the parasites and of the giants if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for you. Now watch the next, watch the reaction. You see their narrative changed. And so now they believe the reality that it's not God's will to go up and to drive out the giants and they do not believe it's God's will to drive out the chariots of iron. Why? Because they already changed the narrative of their generation. They put the, the Canaanites to the tribute. They stopped driving out the Canaanites a long time ago. And so it became their reality that now that's God's will. You see, there are some things in our life that we stop. We just stop. We don't know why we stop. We get lazy or we get double-minded or we now think that this is now the will of God, but it's not the will of God. We have actually changed the narrative. But in reality, God does not want us to live according to any narrative that we have changed. Notice, wait, Joshua says, look, if you be a great people and you want to go up and possess more land, this is the land God's given to you. Go up to the land of the Perizzites, cut down the wood, drive out the giants and possess that land. Now watch what they say. The children of Joseph said the hill is not enough for us. And the Canaanites dwell in the land. Wait a minute. 
Don't you know they were already driving out Canaanites for seven years? This is why they this is why the whole entire book of Joshua was written was to drive out the Canaanites. Now they are saying the Canaanites are there and we as if driving out the Canaanites is something new. Are you with me, saints? They said the Canaanites dwell in the land. Well, Obviously, the Canaanites dwell in the land. They've been driving out Canaanites for seven years. And the valley has chariots of iron. And they of Bethshean and her towns are they of the valley of Jezreel. Notice verse 17. And Joshua spoke unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and to Manasseh, saying, you are a great people, and you have great power, and you will not have one lot only, and but the mountain shall be thine. Even though it is a wood, you will cut it down, and the goings out shall be thine, for you will drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong, you see, they were believing something that was not their destiny. And I, when I read that, and I've read it many times, God began to speak to me today and said, this is the narrative of this generation. This generation is believing a new thing that never was before. We have now accepted it as our reality. And God wants to get us back to the place of our true inheritance. Stand to your feet today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Joshua said, the mountain shall be thine. And you may say, what does that mean, Dr. Corral? The mountain shall be mine. The mountain is mine. I want you to know in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, not by might and not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Put that up, please, because this is a promise to the saints of God in this place. Who are you, O mountain? You shall become a plain before Zerubbabel. Hallelujah. God is saying to you, the mountain shall be yours. The mountain of the impossible is going to be yours. We are claiming Joshua chapter, chapter 17 today in verse 18 that the mountain is definitely yours hallelujah you are going to take possession of the impossible God wants you to know hallelujah and looking at verse 6 God wants you to know hallelujah verse 6 hallelujah read that right now the Bible says hallelujah then he answered me and said, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Who are you, great mountain? Come on, say it with me. Who are you, great mountain? I want you to lift up your mountain right now. Whatever mountain it is, if it's a mountain of sickness, if it's a mountain of disease, if it's a mountain of lack, if it's a mountain, hallelujah, of the nations to possess them, whatever it may be, is it a mountain with your children, a mountain with your family? I do not know what your mountain is. Is it a court case? Is it something you are believing God for? What kind of a mountain do you have? God is saying, speak to it. Hallelujah. 
Who are you, great mountain? Hallelujah. Looking at verse 7. Who are you, great mountain? Before Zerubbabel. Hallelujah. You shall become a plain. Hallelujah. Say this with me. Mountain. Hear the word of the Lord. You will become a plain before me. I speak to you. Shouting grace, grace unto it. You will obey me in the name of Jesus because I will possess you. You are my possession. I am not hindered by symptoms. I am not hindered by what I see. I am not hindered by what it looks like. I am going forward in faith and I am making confessions of faith in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now wait, now wait. You're just about there. Look at Matthew 17, 20. Hallelujah. I want you to pray it. Hallelujah. Matthew 17, 20, because you're going to move your mountain. It's going to be uprooted and cast into the sea. I want you to get ready to quote it. I want you to get ready to speak it. Hallelujah. Verily, verily, I say unto you, say this with me. If you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, say, I want real faith, not just belief, faith that is complete, full measure of faith. I will say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Hallelujah. Remove yonder. I command this mountain to move. Come on. I speak to this mountain. I speak to this sickness. I speak to this disease. I speak to this immovable mountain. In the mighty name of Jesus, I speak to the impossible. I speak to it. In the name of Jesus, I speak to it. Hallelujah. And say this with me. Nothing is impossible to me. I receive the mantle for the impossible right now, this night, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, one more scripture on the mountain so that you might fully possess your mountain because God said tonight the mountain is yours. Claim that scripture that Joshua said to the children of Israel. Say, I'm not intimidated by my mountain. I'm going to drive out the chariots of iron out of my mountain. I'm going to drive them out by faith. I'm not going to be intimidated by the chariots of iron in my mountain. Hallelujah. Mark eleven twenty three. I want you to see this. Hallelujah. I want you to claim it. I want you to walk in it. You are speaking scriptures. You are speaking the word. When you speak the word over your situation, the word will not return void. Hallelujah. We are not looking at symptoms. We are not looking at what the doctor says. We are not looking at what the psychologist said. We're not looking at any report in the natural. We are looking at what God says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
For verily I say unto you, this is Jesus. He wants you to move a mountain. It's his will that you move a mountain. For verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, come on, say I've got Zerubbabel anointing. I'm saying to this mountain, I'm saying to the impossible circumstances, I'm speaking, I, say this with me, I've rolled up my sleeves tonight. I've become more determined tonight. I've become more aggressive tonight. I rebuke apathy. I will go forward tonight with the anointing to possess the impossible for my children, for my home, for my family, for my body, for my finances, for my ministry, for my loved ones. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. For whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that the things that he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever things he says. Come on and give God the praise. You just moved into the miraculous. Now this week, you got to stand on it. You got to start confessing. I'm telling you, there are certain areas, if your body is weak, start confessing over it. And just refuse to receive whatever the devil is showing you. It's, he's a liar. Do not receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know tonight you have received the possession of your mountain. And I am waiting in expectancy for you to come up to me within the next few weeks, days, and months to say, Dr. Corral, my business took a turn. Dr. Corral, my son got saved. Dr. Corral, my family was turned around. Dr. Corral, my body was healed. Dr. Corral, a miracle happened in my, in my work. Dr. Corral, I got a promotion. Dr. Corral, my family received a miracle. Come on, saints, I believe it. Can you say amen? Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.